What is up, everybody? It is your host, Carson Sadler. We got we got the people right here. Everyone say hey. Hey. Um. Welcome back to episode five. Woo! We are all really excited, but we're also kind of sad. Aren't you guys kind of sad that it's our last episode? I'm really sad. This I'm, was really fun. This was really fun, and I really like this. And But you know what? All good things have to come to an end. <laughs> what a good quote. What a good quote. All right. Well, today is our last episode, like you guys know. And today, we're going to end it off with a bang. <laughs> My alarm just went off. That's so funny. And we're going to end it off with a bang and talk about fear and horror more specifically we're gonna be talking about the crafting of fear sound effects we're gonna be talking about the crafting of fear there are two kinds of fear to exist terror and horror hold up let me give you guys a definition do you guys want the definition out there yes please give us that difference This is the definition of terror. It's usually described as the feeling of dread and anticipation that precedes the horrifying experience. (laughs) All right. Well, now this is the definition of horror. Horror is a genre of fiction which is intended to or has the capacity to frighten, scare, disgust, or startle its readers or viewers by including feelings of horror and terror. So basically like a horror movie, right? Right? Yeah. So, we're going to start us off with uh, some horror and, you know, uh, terror examples in the short poem. I mean, the long, the really long poem of the uh, Rhyme and the Ancient Mariner. Alex will start us off. Okay. So, like Carson said, I'm going to be talking a little bit about horror and the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. So, to start off with an example... Um, all of the sailors, besides the mariner, end up dying. And when they die, their eyes are all opened, looking directly at him. This part is pretty scary, and it is something that will always haunt the mariner. After they die, the dead sailors rise from the dead. And they rise up, and without speaking or moving, their eyes be- they begin working the ship. Even without the wind, which is a vital part of sailing, they are able to sail the ship. And the natural, supernatural, spirits, and terror are all working together within the context of the sublime. The wedding guest interrupts this part and reacts to these details in horror. And the mariner assures him that this wasn't a demon's work, however. Rather, a troop of angels guided them. And this connotation ultimately falls under the idea of God's creation, which relates to Frankenstein, which Max will lead us on into. All right, Max. Max is... Max is uh, coming at us in a very remote location, so let's hear it from Max. All right, we're back from Max. Max gave us some horror and some literary devices um, with, you know, talking about Frankenstein. Now we're going to um, pass the ball pass the ball over to Kiara, and we're going to ask some really cool fig questions. Yeah, I've been listening to you guys, and you guys have some pretty interesting thoughts on about these two um, work of art. So I've had some questions that I uh, would like to ask. Oh, go ahead. Um, 
So in Frankenstein, I want to know what you guys think the burning cottage is symbolic for. Ooh, if you don't mind, Alexa, I'm going to take this one. Okay, you got it. All right, the burning like cottage is definitely symbolic for like the start of like the downfall for the monster. So the cottage obviously like represents like life and where you can feel safe. And then the monster gets like this moment of rage and does dangerous a, a dangerous thing and starts to destroy it. This goes to show that like in full rage, this monster could do unspeakable things. So it just foreshadows that terrible events are going to happen because if he can burn down a simple cottage that literally anyone can do, he's going to kill someone. He's going to kill someone with all this built-up rage he has, which honestly, respectfully so, he was abandoned by his master. So yeah, this is definitely like symbolic for like how fast things can turn bad and how quickly a good situation can turn into a bad one. Wow, excellent, excellent answer. That is pretty good. Um, Alexa, I have a question for you. Um, I've been thinking about this one for a while after I read Frankenstein. What do you think the monster's true intentions are? To me, it seems that the monster has true intentions to get out of Victor's hair once he has his companion. Moreover, it honestly just seems that the monster wants a family like the cottagers. Um, a quote to back this up, it says, My companion must be of the same species and have the same defects. This being you must create. Um, the monster says this to Frankenstein. However, I feel that even though the monster has good intentions, what if the other monster does not? We don't know this, and we never will because Frankenstein didn't end up creating this monster. Um, but she would not have seen the cottager family and not have the knowledge that the monster has. Excellent, excellent answer. And what do you think, Carson? Do I have another more time for another question? You know what? That was an awesome way to wrap it up. Awesome. But awesome. I just, you know, after this podcast, keep on asking me these questions because I'm really intrigued right now, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Well, we hope you guys didn't get too frightened or scared from this episode. We know we were talking about horror and terror, but it wasn't too scary. It was actually really interesting and fun. So I hope you all have a great night. Say good night, guys. Good night. And we'll see you guys later. Hello, it's Max the Chesra here. It's good to be back on the podcast. Uh, I'm excited for our potential final episode that we'll be recording today. And I really got have a lot of information to talk about today. And uh, the topic, as Carson introduced, is fear horror and terror in the genre of literature, Gothic literature, romantic, romanticism, which Mary Shelley loved, who's author Frankenstein. And so today, um, I'm going to be discussing more of the Frankenstein side of things, and play into that realm of the genre of author, of, of writing that Mary Shelley wrote about. So let's get into it. So like the first thing, first example of fear that I thought of in Frankenstein was, or first example of horror I thought of when, is when Victor was dumping body parts into the sea. And this is after, you know, the monster he created threatened, um, made a lot of threats to him using terror. He's made threats to him. And then he forced him essentially to build himself a, female companion that would be there for him and be with him 
but in the middle of the process, Victor was like, realized all the bad things that could happen if he did do that. So he decided against it and he decided to go throw it in the ocean, which is kind of horrifying. It's just like body parts in the ocean, which is kind of, uh, kind of scary there, horrifying. Like I said, very scary. And another example of horror in Frankenstein is uh, when the monster threatens Victor. When he says this to him, he says, I shall be with you on your wedding night. And that's more of an example of terror. It's kind of like, makes you shudder, makes you quiver. Gives you the heebie-jeebies. No one likes getting the heebie-jeebies. And uh, this is an interesting situation because the monster is filled with rage after Victor told him to his face that he was breaking his promise about Billy and the female companion, obviously. The monster could have easily killed Victor as they were alone and he has violent tendencies and he's shown his power to kill before, so he could have done it, but he didn't because he wants to strike tear into Victor's heart. However, the monster did not and threatened Victor instead. This continues on with the motif in the story that maybe the monster is truly evil, which maybe he is, maybe he's not. It depends what stance you take. I don't know. It could be either. It could be a little bit of both. Who knows? Uh, since Victor created life, that was not in a natural way. This is a punishment for the for that because the monster is purely evil. So I mean, I think circumstances brought the monster to be more on the evil side, obviously. Because, you know, he didn't really have anything to look up to or anyone to show him right from wrong. He was on his own, so you can't, can't blame him. It's kind of Victor's fault that he left him like that. But for, uh, the monster is definitely using terror and horror to scare Victor and make him feel all sorts of heebie-jeebie ways.